And this is 94.1 KPFA in Berkeley, 89.3 KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno, and online at kpfa.org. The time is 3 p.m. Up next, cover to cover, open book. Open Book, the Poet to Poet series. I'm your host, Nina Serrano. Today's program focuses on comic poetry. We'll begin with Erica Bridgman and her comic narrative poem. parking lot, a tribute to my 95 Honda Civic. This time, she didn't care. This time, she was going to be shameless and do it in the store's parking lot. As she settled herself in the driver's seat, she reached over and brought the box with the cream puff, the size of two small donuts and an inch of filling, to her lap where she used a longish nail on her middle finger to scrape off the label that sealed the box. Yes. Oh my God, yes. As she pulled apart the top lid from the bottom, she saw how the powdered sugar was sprinkled over the puff, alerting her to the fact that if she carried out this act of personal comfort, this counter-assault on all the day's dreariness that had overcome her and had pushed her to this moment that the front of her shirt and lap as well as the car seat would undoubtedly be covered in white powder. (laughs) Whatever. All she could think of was the sweet taste of cream and the firmness of the puff in her mouth. She was committed, regardless if this act of reptilian reactivity would leave her looking like a two-year-old in Grandmama's kitchen. Thus came the first delectably satisfying bite, then another and another. In lieu of the fact that she couldn't remember the last time her hands were washed, the thought did cross her mind that she might have at least gone back into the store to get a towelette that they provided customers for sanitary purposes when handling shopping carts. But it was too late. The top of her index finger was already covered in whip moistness and had turned into an airplane heading for landing. Occasionally, she looked around casually just to make sure she was solo that no one had stopped loading heavy brown bags into the back of their hatchbacks to stare at her like an exhibition at the city's zoo, thinking that she was truly in her own self-indulgent world. She went for the gusto and lifted the bottom puff to her mouth and had taken a beautiful bite 
when she heard someone behind her car call out, Hey, miss, and the red Honda, can I interest you in some body work for those dents on the side of your car? Internally lit on fire, but externally remaining composed, she shook her head no and turned her face a 180 degrees from the voice in the silver pickup. You just heard poet Erica Bridgman. The next poet is Garrett Murphy, well known for his satiric poetry about politics and human nature. Presser rule book. Attention! If you are reading this or hearing this, you have no doubt purchased the Oppressor Rulebook. Rest assured our aim is to take you to reach commandments in Espanol to make you achieve all your efforts worth for your investment. We shall begin the reading of the commandments which are as follows. Oppressors to pick kudos from the ones they oppress. Oppressors feel good by making others feel bad. Oppressors pick symbols as easy targets instead of going after the actual culprits. Oppressors believe that they are the soul of existence. Oppressors believe that only they can be right and are shocked that others can possibly think for themselves. Oppressors always believe that they are perfect, so how dare we oppose them? The oppressors' favorite hiding places are tradition, popular opinion, authority, poll numbers, and sound bites. Oppressors never believe that their actions are wrong. Oppressors never believe they can never be wrong. That is what makes them oppressors. Warning! Some oppressors believe they can never be oppressors simply because the institutions make that impossible. On the contrary, you don't have to be a race to be an oppressor. You don't have to be a gender to be an oppressor. You don't have to be an economic state to be an oppressor. Don't have to be a hierarchy to be an oppressor. Don't have to be a religion to be an oppressor. Or ideology, size, nationality, or any other demo to be an oppressor. You just have to oppress to be an oppressor. And not even over 24 hours to be an oppressor. And you sure can't be born an oppressor. For oppression is action plus intention, not accident of birth. Oppression is oppression is oppression is oppression. Therefore, you too can be an oppressor. And now the replies from the makers and readers of this book. What do you have to say? No, poppycock, preposterous, erroneous. I do it because I love you. Baloney, I didn't do anything wrong. Dear Willie, it's your fault, your problem. Get rid of the program. Go with the flow because I said so. Rebecca, you're jealous. Just jealous. It's all you in your mind. You'll thank me for it someday. Obey authority. My way on the highway. Do as I say. Never mind what I do. It's your destiny. It's genetic. In your face, you just made it up, made it up, made it up. Well, what can you expect from a perpetrator but a typical oppressor line? That concludes this reading of the oppressor rulebook. See never for more options. The Adventures of Black Hoodlum, Chapter Umpteen or Whatever. 
faster than a sideshow speedster, mightier than the gorillas of ten zoos, more fearsome than Jason or Leatherface, it can only be Black Hoodlum. Yes, Black Hoodlum. Strange intruder from a jungle land who lurked into our great land with intentions to menace all good people and loaf around to take their hard-earned comforts. Black Hoodlum, who can alter the population of your exclusive lands, wreck lives to peace and nerves in one fell swoop, and even disguises Trayvon Martin, foreign juvenile delinquent supposedly going home, is still an invincible, overpowering, deadly menace, deserving to be removed from existence like all the rest. That is, according to the Neanderthal mind of the rabbit George Zimmerman, would be duper many metro or rural newspaper and legal authority whose delusional storytelling talents are clearly not fit for the public's eviction by any great or even marginally good publisher of such fairy tales in the American or any other way. we go for only the multi-multi-zillion time ever, we bring you the great discovery of privatization. Yes, privatization. The world's greatest discovery of all time. Better than a wheel. Better than learning to read. Than altruism. Than the discovery of fire. Than the entry into space. And especially in even democracy itself. Privatization enables you to acquire all you can own for your exclusively optional use. Your booty is not just in good hands, it's in your good hands. So three cheers for the ability to privatize. Sing praises for the ability to possess. And should others object, well, it is your property. You can toss them out on the slightest whims or better yet, not even allow them in the first place. Your private sector is yours and yours alone to decide who goes in and who goes out. Or not at all. The next best thing to your very own kingdom, and it can be built into almighty an empire. And remember, just remember, Woolworths was also a private domain. in the mansions have plenty of jobs open. We can always use some cooks to fix our meals, some butlers we will need. Of course, we can use some room service, some maidens to look after our children, and some boys to shine our shoes. The beds just haven't looked as neat and tucked since you people went and got your rights. So let me assure you all, I know what you need far better than you do. Our fields are in need to be maintained, especially after the enforced self-deportation. Look! There's some cotton in them fields just waiting to be plucked down, turn around, and pick a bale of cotton. See, it'll be just like old home. No more concerns about unemployment or dealing with our cold, cruel outside world. Don't worry, be happy, it'll be old home from now on. Free room and board and all you can labor. You'll be glad your great white papa took care of your troubles and solved your employment problem. Because there's always the correction to remind you of the differences between you and my businesses. After all, you're still only three-fifths of people, my friends. The first play of all. Every now and then you may hear this line that life is not fair. Maybe it isn't. Maybe it never will be. For they say life is not fair, so get used to it. Well, there are and have been since time began, and maybe even before. People and more people who refuse to heed that. Who have made efforts to equalize the odds, to free themselves and others from bondage, from slavery, 
from subjugation, from one's terminal or crippling diseases, and all other forms of oppression and suffering. And on behalf of those who might have been otherwise sacrificed to the mantra that life is not fair, be it various qualities of life or right to various entitlements or to one's beliefs, there's just been so many disobedient souls and rabble who refuse to get used to things. That is, who just would not stop in trying to come just a few steps closer to that impossible adjective known as fair. But life is not fair. Well, maybe life isn't fair, maybe it never will be, but no matter what, there's just so many people insisting that life can be fair or as close to it as possible. So could it be, my friend? You who say that life is not fair, so get used to it, are the one who should get used to it? That maybe you should get used to your comfort zone, which apparently you refer to when you claim you've got yours, being challenged by those who also want theirs, by those who want life to be as fair to others as it has obviously been for you. in charge the world is in need of so many a thing the times they are waiting and they're crucial to boot our survival as we know it is open to question yet the nuts are in charge of the cookie jar and the nuts are in charge of the cookie jar and the nuts are in charge of the cookie jar and the nuts are in charge of the cookie jar the bullies have been turned into the heroes of the world. McCarthy has come to it. This is treason. A crisis has instructed leadership is or needed, but the nuts are in charge of the cookie jar. And the nuts are in charge of the cookie jar. And the nuts are in charge of the cookie jar. And the nuts are in charge of the cookie jar. The genocidal maniacs now have a field day. Respondents have because they feel them nothing left to lose. Those who claim they're for the victims of oppressors instead, for the nuts are in charge of the cookie jar. And the nuts are in charge of the cookie jar. And the nuts are in charge of the cookie jar. And the nuts are in charge of the cookie jar. Now, if you see the profilers out licking their chops of all the dark hued and non Christians on the menu and you say it's okay to the tannin come in, then you must be a nut in the cookie jar. Yeah, you must be a nut in the cookie jar. And you must be a nut in the cookie jar. And you must be a nut in the cookie jar. You just heard Garrett Murphy reading his satiric poems. The closing poet is Eva Schlesinger. Her whimsical style never fails to bring me smiles. A buzz. Talk was a buzz today as a Mr. Bumble was captured without struggle in what could have been a major sting operation. When brought in for questioning and asked to explain his reasons for violating personal space, he shouted, None of your beeswax! The striped intruder was apprehended mid-morning as he sauntered in through an open window and tap-danced on the pane. We put him in solitary confinement to observe his behavior, Officer Hornet droned, and later released him. 
punishment involves an hour of community service with the worker bees. a napkin collection stolen from cafes across America. Napkins are her souvenirs, not postcards, not silver charms, trinkets, or doodads. She has a napkin from a Pennsylvania Dutch pretzel factory, one from the Bronx Zoo, the aquarium, and several she airlifted from the Lebanese restaurant in Mystic. At the grinder store on Bank Street, She plucked napkins from the dispenser while her brother texted his wife on his Blackberry. Every so often, he'd look up and say, stop. In between stops, he'd say, I do this too, the napkin stealing. He told her he had hundreds. She didn't believe him. Months later, when he spilled coffee all over his keyboard at work, He popped open the gold snaps to his leather briefcase and retrieved his napkins. First, he snapped a photo with his Blackberry and sent her an email so she could see for herself. He was always the best. The firstborn, straight-A student, award-winning journalist, and now he held the title for most napkins stolen. She traveled to Alaska with her supply of napkins. They had been at the bottom of her green batik shoulder bag, but she crammed them in her maroon handbag's outside pocket. Some spilled over the top, peeking out. They had a room with a view, a free ride on a boat, plane, train, and the chance to see wildlife up close. His napkins stayed stuffed in a briefcase. They were claustrophobic. He was too. Insulata days. Shame rode into town on horseback. She was as big and round as a ripe tomato. That's because she was one. She was very saucy in the PM, PM being pre-maranara, and she used that as her cover to hide from her pasta. Lately, she was in a lot of hot water. Just can it, the townspeople begged. They were sick of her vining and wanted to put a cap on her. If she is going to stick around, let her stew in that mason jar, but don't let her out. 
This ensalata is far more worthy of our attention. Query her crown of croutons, Miss Insalata easily won the town's beauty pageant, so everyone was green with envy. Let us say she won because she was the most colorful. She wore her radicchio gown con spinacci undergarments, arugula slippers on her feet. She strolled through the fennel funnel tunnel with an ogling crowd ooing and eyeing. She didn't let the turkeys get her down, or the roast chicken for that matter. Even with prosciutto, she could really ham things up, and that's why everyone loved her so. One day, the tourist bowl runneth over, and ravioli swarmed into the streets, flooding the canals. Ricotta went to buy souvenirs while she had the dough. She minced her way among voracious gobblers and chortled with twins Tortellini and Tortelloni. Soon Cannelloni joined them. They formed a brigade, crossing over bridges, double-crossing under arches, marching past their arch-rivals, the Garlic Bread Guards, right into a cafe, demanding to espresso themselves. Miss Insalata was just finishing her stracciatella gelato. It had been a long day, and all she wanted was to get dressed with the aid of her servants, oil and vinegar. She looked forward to getting fresh with mozzarella, who was around. Suddenly, ravioli tipped the tables, and ricotta waltzed with tortelloni as tortellini watched with cannellini. Cannoli flew in to do chin-ups on the coffee cups. For once, shame was nowhere to be seen. Maybe she was on the back burner, or maybe hiding in the can. As the noodles gave oodles of applause to celebrate the absence of what once was, in the midst of the brouhaha, Miss Ensalada rode off with a frittata on her mascarpone into the sunset. days. Some are breadwinners. Some like to go against the grain, while others stick to the same old roles. Some take life with a grain of salt and take time to sniff the flour. Others who are quite needy tend to get stuck in jams, or else they are cheesy. They may surprise you and ask, penne for your thoughts? You know then they've lost their noodles. Something fishy about those women, either selfish or happy as a clam. Next thing you know, they're showing off their muscles or talking nonstop about their grill friend. 
Those creative types who want to publish posthumously call in sick to work because they falafel. Some henpeck, some game for any kind of condiment such as I love you. Others desperate to catch up can't even pass the mustard and thus find themselves in a pickle. They complain because they lack morale support. Luckily, there are those for whom life is small potatoes. You'll recognize them. They adorn themselves with 14-carat jewelry, have a high salary, and invest in stocks. Some women are very corny, and some so appealing they steal all the dates. Others deceive with their appearances and like to tango with the mango. Unless they suffer from melancholy because they can't elope, so they never have commitment ceremonies and become hagberries. Some believe in the divinity while others fudge their spirituality. Some quite nice while others much cooler. Some are the icing on the cake while others take the cake with a glazed look. My favorite women say, "Come quat may." They're the apples of my eye. Desire. How and when met at which health club? When was dangling a participle from her right ear? A misplaced modifier covered her waist. Her period was about to start. How said, "Hi, how are you?" When said, "You are how?" How said, "Right." When left. See you whenever. How said mournfully, she really, really liked when. When turned her on, but when had other intentions. She wanted to be diagrammed. Was she active, passive? A rhetorical question. She knew her past was not perfect or pluperfect. She placed an adverb to meet diverse interrogatives. She met to what extent, how often, and where. To what extent excited her and left her uncertain of how much she needed or wanted. Next, she tried to conjugate with how often, who declined. Just as well, when moaned, how often reminded me of how, who didn't ask for much. She simply asked, "How are you?" How often would have been too often. How often can embrace to what extent? For all I care. When sought refuge in where? Who walked around in underwear? Where knew where she was, not where anyone else was. But she didn't know where she was without the H. Without the H, she couldn't be here or where. What passed her on a dark street? Hey, baby. What crowed, winking in a what kind of way? When paused, then continued. She didn't want to investigate yet another interrogate. She wanted an inmate to imprison her in a life sentence, a commitment that didn't start or end with her period. Secretly, she wanted how.
just heard Eva Schlesinger and her whimsical poems. to Poet Series. This has been Nina Serrano with Jill Montgomery as the technical director. Thanks for listening. Have a very good day. convention is happening Wednesday, September 12th through Sunday, September 16th. You can hear old-time hillbilly harmonies, swing your partner to foot-stomping fiddle and banjo bands, and watch champion buck dancers at locations all over Berkeley, including Freight and Salvage, Ashkenaz, the Saturday Farmer's Market, UC Berkeley, and the Berkeley Public Library. Concerts, square dancing, a string band contest, workshops, and more. Fun for the whole family. Visit berkeleyoldtimemusic.org for all the details. Co-sponsored by KPFA, the Ecology Center, Freight and Salvage, and the California Bluegrass Association, all nonprofits. The Berkeley Old Time Music Convention, September 12th through 16th.